0: Hi, this is Steve Gilmore, and this is uh, The Gilmore Gang. It's a new uh, version of it, which uh, eventually we we should be successful at streaming live on Twitter, but for now, we're going to record it, and then we'll stream that live on Twitter and uh, possibly other uh, less popular networks like Facebook. Um, So... uh, This is going to be a little bit more informal than a regular gang, if that's indeed possible. And uh, so there's this guy who's doing a wave motion in the uh, lower left hand corner. Who are you, sir? Uh,
1: As Doc Searles. Okay. and I I don't I'd rather be in the upper right. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: Well, (laughs) let's see if we can do a second show and and we'll do that. In the upper right is Keith Tear. Welcome, Keith. Uh, Nice to be here. And uh, upper left is uh, Michael Markman. How do you do? So uh, I'm tightly constraining the subject matter on this show. We are not going to be talking about the current resident of the White House, Uh, but we might talk about what I find interesting, which is everybody else, namely the Democrats. So I'd like to talk about that. And I'd also like to talk about uh, the situation with Twitter, Uh, some of the public uh, uh, interviews, uh, videos, etc. with uh, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, Jack Dorsey. Thank you. Uh, I find that interesting. And then I'd like to start, however, with uh, has
1: anybody heard of Luminary? Yes.
2: Yes, I've heard of them. Doc?
1: Yes, I, and and I've I've heard of the noun as well. Um, so uh, but,
0: I've read a Verge article about uh, Luminary, which is quite uh, detailed and also quite confusing at the same time. Uh, but uh, does anybody want to take a crack at explaining what Luminary is?
2: Well, I think the Luminary for- it's Netflix oh, for podcasts. Am I right?
0: I couldn't hear uh, everybody spoke at once.
2: Oh, I said the the elevator pitch is Netflix for podcasts. Uh huh. And what does
0: that Netflix. mean? That uh, they're going to be uh, original material, uh, and uh, an escaping, vanishing group of favorite shows like The Office and uh, Friends, which are going to be stolen back by the
2: original uh, studios. Well, I I think you you have to go back earlier in Netflix history before they had original material. Basically, basically it's a a subscription for format, uh, for getting podcasts. Some may be original, some may be commissioned and others will be, uh, acquired. And the idea is I think give people an ad free podcast experience if they're willing to pay for it.
3: Correct. And the and the controversy, it, I, actually I think a more appropriate moniker would be Apple News for podcasts um, it, because they're doing exactly to podcast what Apple News is doing to newspapers and magazines which is bundling and promising to share the subscription fees based on viewership, readership, whatever um, with the top performing ones and that's controversial because a bunch of well-known podcasts have said they're not prepared to go into Luminary because they don't believe the model will work and they'll end up losing money, not making money.
0: Okay. So, uh, who, who was it who spoke? Keith and Michael, (laughs) right? Yes. Yes. Doc, can you explain what they just said so that I understand
3: it?
1: Yeah, uh, I I think Michael said that they're a company that has a um, a subscription model, and uh, and Keith said it's a way that, uh, that that some don't want to participate because they don't see it as a way to make money. I you know if you want I can add some things to that, but I don't know please, who they are please. really. Well, I, I think you know, I actually I, Keith Keith pointed if it if it is in fact the the Apple news of podcasting. It's yet another way that podcasting, um, you know, gets gets sucked into uh, gets sucked into silos, and that's that's too bad because I think um, one of the graces of podcasting is it's happening out in the open web. Any one of us can do it. Um, we don't need intermediate you know intermediaries, or at least if we have intermediaries, they can be substitutable. Um, it's based on this, you know. Uh, the simple thing, which is RSS and 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 standard formats for recording, it's doing wonderful things for brand advertising. I think the ads that I hear on the podcast that I listen to, most of which are um, amount to testimonials by the you know by the people who are putting on the podcasts. Um, Bill Simmons, Mark Maron, others. Um, it's very old-fashioned that way, but I think it's very credible for the advertiser. Um, You get the sense that the advertiser is sponsoring the podcast. And I think sponsorship is a great way uh, for a publication or for a broadcaster to make money. Um, I think having yet another intermediary in the middle that sucks off most of it doesn't really work very well and is, you know, and is, and is tied up inside, you know, behind a subscription wall. It's going to be their own tech. It's going to be their own filter. It's not a real podcast, you know. So, um but you know, I mean, actually, how is that? You know,
0: how is that going to impact on uh, if people don't like that kind of thing, then they won't listen, and the uh, well, Lu- Luminary will be unsuccessful.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can use Downcast or, or uh, Overcast or any number of apps to subscribe to a um, that are substitutable to subscribe to a podcast. If I have to go to Spotify, or if I have to go to Luminary, or if I have to go to name another one to get stuff that's only available through them. I think that that kind of, I mean, it's a perfectly legitimate business, but it kind of violates the spirit of what podcasting was about in the first place. But, you know, uh, I, it,
0: as with the, the we, political situation, oh. uh, you know, uh, I think some of the problem that we're having with the uh, political coverage is that uh, uh, it, it becomes a, a discussion about what's uh, the moral code of America. So uh, I'm likening that to what you just said about, you know, it violates the spirit of what? I mean, uh, uh, of what? Open, uh,
1: openness, ease, um, But it, if, if it's open and there's mm-hmm.
0: ease, then won't that triumph uh, economically?
1: I don't know if these things are open. I really don't know. I mean, if, if I have it to pay... If, it doesn't if it's matter. A if they're not open, yeah.
0: how do they compete against somebody that is open?
3: I think I think the way uh, it's going to work. By, the way it's going to by, work. By having
1: better. I mean, how does cable TV continue to compete? Well, there's enough crap on cable TV that people will subscribe. You know, there's so the subscription model works in some cases.
0: But the spirit of so, uh, it's, of, it's, of it's, open TV is violated by cable, yet they survive.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it, it it's you know it's it, it's one long experiment, and that's what yet another thing, another stage in it. Um, But I think I'm free to have my regrets about what I think we're at risk of losing, at least to some degree. But I I, I understand that. Hang on
0: a second, Keith. Uh, I understand what you're saying about uh, regrets. But what I don't understand is why you think that the economics of it is going to preclude any of the open uh, casting, which has
1: a a distinct advantage. which is, it's not behind the paywall. It's an experiment that may or may not work. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, that's about all there is to it, I think.
2: You know, YouTube tried the same thing. They had a subscription model that would let you eliminate ads in YouTube videos. And it was not that successful. People preferred not to pay, even if they have to put up with the obnoxious interruptions of pre-rolls and mid-rolls of advertising. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a marketplace at work. Keith, you were going to say?
3: I, I was going to say, I, I think there's two different things going on. And one of them I don't think Doc should be concerned with, and the other one maybe. The first thing that's going on is that um, individual podcasters now have a range of destinations that they can post their podcasts to, um, none of which prevent them dealing with the others, if you like. So my guess is that Luminary will be a place that some podcasters who don't have ads uh, will post to just as a distribution channel. And if they get paid some money back, great. Um, They'll also post to Spotify. They'll also post to iTunes. They'll also do an RSS feed and so on and so forth. Um, So the first thing that's going on doesn't really close down openness um, because the center of gravity is the podcast and not the destination and the destinations are just, if you like, satellites that they can use to post through in addition to their own channels. The other thing that's going on is that some of the channels, like Luminary, are laying down the law about what the rules are to be on their platform and in, in the case of Luminary they're saying you cannot have ads, period. Um, now, as a listener... Well, I'm sometimes. not sure that that's
0: true. I mean, I think that you can... It, it, according to this uh, Verge article, you can uh, you can use their app to watch or listen to uh, whatever. Uh, you know, something that comes in through... I mean, I don't think that they're deleting RSS uh, from the uh, ingress mechanism of that app. If they are, they're probably going to fail quick more quickly than... They may fail well
3: that uh, I read that they are curating what gets in and they're rejecting anything that has ads in it. well, what I read was that the
0: people who are rejecting uh, they're, they, they may be re- curating or rejecting uh, competitors uh, content you know popular competitors content, but to me that's uh, effectively cutting their own throat because people like what they like. And if they find something which is available on one uh, app and not another, they'll just use the other app. Well, is it
2: possible under their terms or uh, is it possible? And is it uh, attractive for a podcaster to offer two versions of their show? One with the advertising edited out through luminary and one with the ads in place or, um, Every place else, you get yeah. podcasts, including direct RSS feeds.
3: Yeah, that's what they've got to do. You know, I listened to this podcast by Harry Stebbings called Twenty Minute VC. He's a he. When he started, he was nineteen years old and in college in London, and he's now got uh, over a million listeners. And he he's still a young man. Uh, he's now become a VC in a in a fund called Stride, and he got into that fund because of his podcast. Um, so. You know, Dave Weiner's old point that podcasts aren't for monetizing, they're for creating the value of you. Um, he's a good example of that. I think that, that was uh, Doc Searle's point, wasn't it? Oh, was it Doc? But anyway, that, that, Doc, that, sorry. That's if
1: I, that. Dave, I don't think it's Dave's either, actually, but that's... But, you know, I mean, wasn't your, that?
0: Wasn't your uh, comment that uh, you don't make money... Uh, with podcasts or with blogs you make well, money because of something to that no point. no well,
1: you you make money you make money because of rss and you make money because of the web and you make money because of the internet you can make money with a podcast And i actually don't think dave has a problem with people advertising on a podcast either i think what he has no. a problem with is that is is the siloing of podcasts into into exclusive places um you know i mean and you know, that's, you know, but apparently Luminary isn't that they have an exclusive corner, but they can still, I mean, it, it's all about apps and aggregators, basically. I mean, uh, iTunes is an aggregator, really. They just aggregate all the podcasts that they can. Uh, they vet them a little bit, but it, it's basically just a way to pick up a podcast. You can pick it up through any number of other apps just as easily. Um, you know, and some are simpler than, than, than uh, Apple's podcast app, but all of them are just apps you know, they're, they're absent aggregators. Um, but there are businesses that are emerging like, um, you know, like Luminary and whatever it is that, um, Spotify just bought. I forget who they were. Um, and Gimlet and Gimlet. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, where, where the risk is that, uh, you have to go to a special place to get something they call a podcast, but, but you know isn't isn't just something that's on an rss feed it's inside their silo And you go to their silo to get it and you know that's what that's what big companies like to do they like to tie up as much of the distribution channel as they can uh, for one thing or another and you know we've you know and they've got us with a subscription model and i think that's you know it's worth experimenting with so um, i think i think there's two we, we need a distinction dude you know a podcast is a thing that has these characteristics, and a subscription, pay-only podcast is not exactly a podcast. It's a paycast, or it's something else. It's a it's a different breed. Well,
0: I understand you your know, perspective, yeah. but I'm not sure that uh, I agree. Uh, what I I'm think sure that, that I think sure. that there's really only one format here, which is, uh, you know, the the canonical format is the uh, attachment. Uh, Extension to RSS. That's what started this. And uh and I doubt personally, I doubt that Luminary or any other uh specific uh proprietary content play is going to uh uh eliminate that from the equation. Just there's there are such a growing number of podcasts and uh, as we can see in the video space and in the uh, Apple News Plus bundling strategy, that these things, you know, you use them for a while, uh, as I've been using the Apple News thing, and then you, uh, you start to try and, uh, instead of trying to graze the open Internet for content, you start to go to the thing that you've got bundled versions of and you start to use that for a while and after you've used both systems for a couple of weeks then you decide which is more useful and i would believe that you probably gravitate uh, back uh, and force the major aggregators to bundle more content across this uh so-called divide so i think that as this melts down or bakes out, we're going to see a a convergence that's going to make this uh, distinction between pay and, uh, uh, as the Verge article suggests, uh, you pay uh, in an advertising format, you pay by uh, having to plow through uh, commercials. You're paying either way.
3: Harry, Harry Stebbings' first three minutes, is ads, um, actually sponsorships, Doc, a bit like you described. Yeah. But you, what you end up doing as a listener, it, after <laughs> you've heard them once, you've heard them, and you basically fast-forward.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I got pretty good at that. Yeah, just, I have a callus on, uh, on my forefinger, pardon the expression.
3: Um, I, I, I do want to compare this to a... I do think aggregation in general can be a value add, even when it creates business models that only serve the aggregator. uh, I'm going to take us to a totally different domain. There's a company in the UK called Push Doctor, and the UK has the National Health Service, and um, your primary caregiver is called a GP. Everyone everyone has one, um, but it's really hard to get appointments. And so Push Doctors created a doctor aggregation service where you can get a video call with a doctor certified by the National Health Service within four minutes, you're on a call. It costs you 25 pounds. You can get a prescription for another 15 and a letter for your employer for another 10. And they're doing millions of calls, which is saving people going to the doctor queuing up. And Push Doctors built a healthy business from it by adding value to the collection of the sum of the parts. So I do think that's a viable model. Does anybody want to explain to me what he just said?
2: Uh, I I, I don't think it needs explanation. It's
0: perfectly clear.
3: How does it relate (laughs) to what we were talking about previously? It's my English accent. Yeah, it's because I think Doc was, was... um, comparing the open internet and podcast with RSS to an aggregator and possibly unfavorably on the basis of the aggregation. I'm just saying, I think aggregators can be good things even when they're yeah. not open, as long as they're adding some value that you can't get otherwise. Sure. At,
2: at the end of the day, <laughs> the customer chooses.
0: Yeah. So can you summarize, since I was distracted, what the value is of the aggregation play
3: that you were just talking about? Uh, getting a doctor within four minutes, um, as opposed to two hours. In, in where? What country? It's, it's UK, and it's a video call to a doctor. It's called Push Doctor. So you have to have national health in order for this app to work? No, they do private as well. They do both private and public. So uh, is it available over here, and if so,
0: is it useful over here?
3: There are similar services here. I don't know what they're called because I'm, uh, this, this one I mentioned, I'm an investor in through my fund, so I know it. But there are competitors here that are doing a similar thing.
2: Well, my, my health provider is the University of Washington, and they have their own internal video uh, consult, consultation option so you know that that's possible for emergencies or cases where you can't make it to the clinic.
0: Yeah. What's the legal uh, restrictions on that? I I haven't explored that. The liability of the uh, of the provider.
3: It has to, to be, be they have to be HIPAA compliant is probably the main thing and then of course you must be talking to a professional. Um those are the two main things. It is regulated in the UK. So there's um there's there's government oversight and rules you have to follow, and they this company gets vetted every quarter to see if it's complying with the rules. So it's pretty tightly controlled. So uh, I I don't know how to loop
0: back to the earlier topic, but the uh, you mentioned government and uh, Jack Dorsey uh, met with uh, the current resident uh, recently and. Uh, and in general, I think he's talking about rethinking likes and uh, follows and follows. Yes. Now, uh, you know, he he. first of all, I think that uh, Twitter has uh, always been uh, a product that was invented uh, as much if not more by their customers than by their designers. So Uh, I think that uh, Twitter is always in the throes of trying to catch up with their users. Uh, And in particular, the idea that uh, you're going to move to a topic-based environment and downplay or downsize the significance of the number of followers or likes, uh, 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 I don't know, what are they going to do? Untrain everybody uh, from what they previously marketed?
3: Yeah, my, oh. my my guess is that Jack is does not have a practical plan to execute anything he spoke about. He was more just expressing a yearning uh, to be able to go back to the beginning and rethink it. And his primary focus was... <laughs> His belief is that it's a mistake to be people-centric. He thinks it should be topic-centric. So, for example, let's say you could follow a hashtag. All the people who followed that hashtag would self-select to be interested in that topic. So now you'd become people-interested through the topic as opposed to only people-interested. Well, I I, I think that's a a
0: faulty... uh, A faulty uh, analysis, not your analysis, but uh, ostensibly what uh, Jack Dorsey is suggesting. Uh, I find the value of Twitter to be entirely in who is looking at or signaling about what, not about what is being signaled by who. Yeah. I mean, RSS took care of that, uh, you know, subscribing to people. Uh, but what it didn't do was to allow a social cloud to emerge of, you know, I'm much less interested in what I think about something because I already know what I think uh, and I could use some education. I'm much more interested in what you three guys think about it uh, and and what you publish or send metadata out that is then... Uh, uh, deciphered by the people that are interested in what you think. And I think that social fan out is the crown jewels and this, you know, the golden
2: egg or the golden goose of what Twitter is. Did did you uh, happen to follow the, the Twitter-based interview that Kara Swisher did with Jack Dorsey?
0: It was a little difficult to follow, as we
2: know was, Twitter doesn't
0: totally do well with uh, the conversation
2: she kept pushing him for a a specific definition of what he's doing and he couldn't come up with one at least not one that fit into a tweet he had some vague principles it seems to me the problem he's trying to solve is this, there is a river of toxic sludge that runs through Twitter and uh, keeps erupting in in harassment of, of various sorts and he's trying to suppress that and doesn't know how and the the ideas that he's coming up with sound like they would just probably not solve the problem he's trying to solve and would also just take away about 60%, maybe 80% of the value that I now find in Twitter. Because I agree with, I agree with you, Steve. Uh, following people and seeing what people are interested in is where I get value from from Twitter. But on occasion,
0: uh, for example, I, doc's been I'm trying to break in here let me let me hear what he has to say and we'll
1: get back Oh, i mean um i i think the river of toxic sludge is the result of a feature and not a bug i think it's the way Twitter's designed and for the people who engage in toxic sludge and want to participate in it it's a great river for that um i don't see it i follow mostly journalists and guys like you you know i mean that's so i don't see any of it i mean it's an interesting thing to me that we all have our own views on this based on who we're following. I totally agree with you, Steve, by the way. It's about who, it's not about a topic. I think the whole idea of following a particular topic or here's a here's a rising trend or whatever is to, to a large degree bullshit. It's just, it's just noise. Um, I mean, sometimes it's useful when news breaks, you know, Notre Dame blows up. Yeah, I want to see more about that. But then, um, but for the most part, most of the rising trends, whatever they're called, I'm, I'm not very interested in. I'm interested in what other people are saying about a particular topic and engaging with them on it if it's actually interesting. Um, I think an awful lot of people have um, an interest in, in, in politics or sex or or tr- or just trolling in general or games or whatever else the topic might be. And, and Twitter's good for that too. Uh, but it's an interesting thing to me that I don't see that river of sludge twitter is essentially an interesting thing i mean mean, a simple thing not a complex thing it's not like facebook which is you know terribly complex but has basically the same problem you know it's a place where people can say what they want to whoever they want and um, and follow a select group of other people um both of them engage in driving homophily which is you know Elevating um, topics and and people that they that that the robot thinks you're interested in, and tending to drive people into herd people into into groups of one kind or another. I think Twitter does much less of that by design than Facebook does. Which um, I, but find I think more enjoyable. Do... I, well, I, it, 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 I don't it, it find those. I know in the case of Facebook, what they'll do is they'll they'll look at who is it that annoys you, and they're going to put them pretty far up in your in your newsfeed. So you react to that. They, they want reaction. And so, you know, and, and I, and I do believe Facebook has done a really good job of kind of dividing the country politically to the degree that they hang out on Facebook and talk politics. Um, you know, I see nobody on, on Twitter. Who's on, on the right, i mean not on Twitter. I mean, on, on Facebook, who's on the, to the right politically, everybody I know is on the left side. I don't see anything but that. Um, to, to the degree that politics is on Facebook, um, and to the degree I actually look at Facebook, which I mostly don't. Um, Mike but,
3: Car- Mike Harrington's on the right.
1: Yeah, but I don't see Mike. You know, so no. you know, and he may not. be... I wouldn't a call on him on Facebook. the
0: right. I think he's more
1: libertarian. He's but. a libertarian, yeah, and and I do see a, a little bit of that on um, on Twitter, um, but but it's you know, I mean, it. It, it's an end. You know, both of them are engines of homophily. That's what they do, and that's a design feature. It's not something you can engineer out. It's part of the system. I don't. I don't think it, it's easy to fix. I mean, it's a really interesting irony that uh, Facebook prides itself on having some of the best AI in the world, but they still have to hire twenty thousand people to do nothing but look at human depravity, and and decide what's what's okay and what's not. Um, they can't have, there's no machine that does that. You know, it's like the, that Supreme Court justice said once, I can't tell you what porn is, but I know it when I see it, you need a human being to see this stuff and to say, "Wow, well, you know, beheading videos, I guess we don't want to see that, you know, that's a, that's too weird. Um, but you need a human being to do that. You can't, you know, do it otherwise. Actually, I think th- they probably actually, I think are- they've had
0: some success, uh, in, uh, <laughs> Using uh,
1: algorithms to uh, suppress. I'm sure, they have some success like with that. that, but 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 they still needed to hire the twenty thousand people. Right, and and that's. I'm sorry. Go
2: ahead,
3: Go ahead. Go
0: ahead. And ma- let me make it more complicated, Tina. What do you think?
4: <laughs> wow, everyone else was ready to talk, so. Um, uh
0: no just in general do you uh do you find uh, where's the value of facebook and or twitter for you
4: uh it's shifting a lot um i, I i'm just you know i've uh I've backed off social media quite a lot and um i'm reevaluating my feelings about twitter which i was feeling very cesspool and just kind of um uh, uh, dirty, I guess, but it's interesting I mean when doc's saying like it sounds like his Twitter feed is like finely tuned, I think mine is not, um, although I don't follow a whole lot of people um, but Facebook has got me uh <laughs> worried and uh kind of upset, and I, I'm finding that I don't want to Uh, post much. I I do go on it and I I do comment on other people's uh, uh, posts and I still enjoy that, but I'm feeling like I don't want to give myself to it much anymore. And um, so it's a bit of an emotional switch for me and um, I'm finding a little more interest in Twitter, although I haven't been super active about it. Um, So I don't know my but I'm I'm not confident about what what plans Twitter has to fix their problems um, so yeah.
0: Michael I interrupted you
2: oh you did you did and do you think I remember what you interrupted <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's doubtful um, so I, I was going to say um, just to be a bit contrarian um, I go to Twitter every Saturday and I do hashtag um, uh, SAFC live as a search and SAFC is my little hometown soccer team in England that at three o'clock in the afternoon, English time, uh, 7am for us kick off and play 90 minutes of football. And, you know, 10,000 fans from around the world are all on Twitter, um, uh, listening to a radio stream, a local radio stream being broadcast through Twitter and talking to each other. And I don't know any of those people, but I do know Scarborough FC. Um, And and so that's an example of a topic leading me to people, um, which is kind of what I think the Gilmore Gang is. We talk about topics and through those topics, um, we learn about each other, but they're not really separable the topics and the people, because um, uh, uh, if you get bland topics like Doc was talking about, like, you know, um, uh, Sri Lanka bombing, that is kind of a blanket topic. Yes, then I completely agree. But most topics that human beings care about are very granular and quite specific to them and the group that surrounds them. What, uh, what I associate it with what, Steve, you call micro-networks. And for me, micro-networks, the people are, people are important, but they're clustered around things they care about together. Uh, and we need that. We need that because I'm not interested in soccer in the abstract, but I'm very interested in, in, in that team. Uh, and, and so where else would I find it? I'd have to go to the local hometown newspaper, which is delayed, or sometimes on YouTube they post what happened in the game two days later. But if you really want real time connection to a micro topic, I think Twitter's about as good as it gets.
2: But that feature is already in the product through hashtags. I wonder what yeah. Jack Yeah, I'm not sure is. that.
0: The, I think the feature that was in the product uh, that's related to this was track, and they, they never replaced it, they never yeah. put it back in. And the reason I like track is that it was a compromise between following. I don't necessarily want to... Why don't
4: you remind people what track was?
0: It's, it was basically this... You could put in, uh, as I did, uh, you know, a vanity uh, at Steve Gilmore, basically, so that it would tell me if somebody was talking about me. Uh, it would also scoop up the uh, retweets and at mentions, which were again a user uh feature that i think is closest to the value of this but it allowed you to separate from the noise that uh appears around uh follows and likes uh you know the popularity contest and it moves more toward a sort of surreptitious uh, ability to be able to reach into the mass of data and pull out uh, relevant stuff. Yeah, not necessarily topics. I, I, I still yeah. recoil from that uh, description. I think it's more I, I like agree. underlying is, themes. Yeah, uh, You know, the thing that I find interesting about the subjects that I, I, I was hoping to talk about on this particular show uh, were... Uh, we've talked about several of them. We haven't yet got to the uh, political thing, but I think there's a connective tissue between all of these things, which uh, with the Fireside Theater was uh, sort of described as uh, the state of mind or the takeaway or the zeitgeist of the conversation or of the, uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, that I think the the gang, when we're lucky, taps into that. And I think that's separate from either topics or people. It's a function of uh, a common interest and a certain, maybe, hopefully, moral structure uh, uh, that we all kind of ascribe to, but not necessarily publicly. Uh, the the course is through all of these issues, and that's my cheap shot way of actually getting to the uh, Democratic uh, candidates. Uh, I was surprised and impressed with uh, the sophistication and the uh, power of what Joe Biden did today. Anybody else? Uh, Aware uh, of anything that he did today
3: you mean the apology for the hearings no Uh, I
0: I think that that, he's doing some damage control and I don't know whether that was as successful as he had hoped it would be I'm not sure like with Jack Dorsey that just because you know what the problem is it means that you can do anything about it certainly not the past
2: so I was also very impressed with his uh, announcement video um I thought he did the strongest possible announcement video for him. Uh, but I can't talk about it if we're not allowed to talk about the current occupant of the Oval Office, because that's entirely what his video was. Well, but th- that you've just
0: talked about it without having to talk about that guy. I mean, uh, to me, the whole uh, contest f- for these candidates is to try and Uh, come up with uh, the most effective uh, candidate for the uh, uh, election. So I I thought he did a really good job of framing that. Even if he can't make it through the primaries without stumbling and saying goofy things or whatever the frame is on the guy. uh, He sure as hell uh, didn't make any mistakes today.
3: I haven't seen it yet, but now I want to.
2: Well, it's, it, it's very strong because he, he went back to really the core founding ideological value of the Declaration of Independence, uh, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, you know, that, that is the essence of what the U.S. experiment is, even though we never live up to it. Um, so he made it entirely a values-based entry, and he said, we are not now living up to it. We have, we have the exact opposite right now, and we have to get back to, get back to the garden.
4: And yep. it really focused on uh, Charlottesville and what happened yes. there and Trump's reaction to it. Oops, sorry.
2: Or, well, no, no, that, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that's the essence of how he made the case against Trump was to take everyone back to that event and Trump's reaction to it.
3: And on a weekend when the Avengers Endgame comes out it's good versus evil it sounds like. Very much so.
2: Uh, I see, I don't
3: understand that you know,
2: at all. The, the light versus the dark. There's yeah. there, You know, there, there's a uh, there's a, a good impulse in America and there's a bad impulse in America and they've actually both been there since the founding, before the founding but the um, avengers
0: i'm not no, sure I the understand.
2: good and the, the good and bad impulses in the american in the american experiment i mean between how we've treated the native population and and slavery and the aftermath of slavery there's plenty of evil it,
3: batman, there's, and, there's the batman know, the, and the joker Batman and
2: the joker well
0: the, i thought the way he used the uh, uh, the charlottesville thing was uh, he basically made the case that that was too much for him that he felt that he had to uh, to get in at that point, not for himself, but uh, on the you know, as a public servant, basically trying to offer up his experience and uh, potential strengths uh, as a way of coping with this thing before it's too late to cope with it. Yeah. Doc, uh, You're muted, Doc.
1: Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, I'm in an interesting position here just in terms of what I've seen and heard because I did not see the video yet. I will go out of my way to find it now. Um, I've heard reporting on it. As it happened this morning, hitting scan on the car radio, um, I heard 10 minutes of Rush Limbaugh mocking the living shit out of that video, um, uh, mocking the way... Um, Uh, It brought up Charlottesville, feels that Charlottesville was never fully understood, whatever. I don't know what the hell it was, but here's the interesting thing. There's 20 million people listening to Rush Limbaugh. There are a third of the country, at least, likes the current occupant of the White House, likes not so much what he stands for, but what he's doing as a leader. And they like him, okay? He's got fans, and... Um, and I think we're, you know, I, I I personally, I'm disappointed that, that, that Biden is in this thing. Um, I don't want anybody who's my age or older running for president, quite honestly. And I think, um, I don't think he can win. I don't think, you know, I I would love it if one of the people that's running for president right now could win. I'd really curious to see the video to see. This whole thing about what we stand for, because I don't think, I think it's really, really clear what Trump stands for. Sorry, and I think it's really, really clear. Um, I mean, every single position he has is entirely predictable. It's completely predictable. Okay, now and, you're
0: you're violating the. the,
1: the okay, well, the, but the, what oath. I'm saying is there are no surprises here. And
0: right, I agree. That's why I don't want the talk left, about. On
1: it's that. like you know, is yet another is yet another guy. I you know, and I. I I despair of it, because I think that there's not clarity on the left about what it's not just what it stands for. But what are the what are the what are the particular policies that we're looking for here? Yeah, get enacted. except
0: that, you know, first of all, it's not about the video. It's about what he said in the video. And uh, that's number one. Uh, I didn't care about the video. I didn't watch it uh, when it was released. Uh, I watched it only after the fact because uh, the cable news networks have nothing to do except find some video to put on top of their opinions. And so I, I watched it then and was interested in how he framed the discussion. But the second, and I think more important part to uh, your concern, is uh, I think he was offering himself up not necessarily as the winner of this, but as a a, a force, a guide uh, for uh, the younger people in the group to, you know, essentially mentor them. Uh, some people are talking about the fact that Kamala Harris would be, uh, if he did succeed in winning the primary, that she would be a, a good candidate uh, for her uh, on, a, on a ticket with him, so you know you start to see some formation of strengths I mean I think uh, Mayor Pete has run the best campaign of any of these people so far, uh, and I think that he's going to be coming under a lot of pressure and I think that it's going to come down to uh, uh, someone like Biden and others, including Bernie. Uh, what's his name? Um, Sanders. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, uh, To uh, sort of take some of the heat off of the attacks on Mayor Pete, I think that's going to become part of the equation. And I think that there's a a much more potentially collegial uh, environment here, which is basically to say, yeah, we know, who he said uh, on the, he was, Uh, Biden was seen walking, uh, you know, very obviously set up, but he was walking to uh, uh, a pizza parlor where, uh, which was an interesting scene, and he was asked about, um, he was asked uh, very quickly about the current resident of the White House uh, and about the Mueller report, etc., and he said, he basically, it wasn't dismissive as much as a, a little flash of humor. He just basically said, yeah, well, we we know about that guy. You know, he said the guy's name. But it was like, yeah, there's no mystery there about who this guy is. The the When you've got Rush Limbaugh and you've got all of the right and you've got everybody, you know, I would say the other telling point that is... A third of the country a third doesn't win uh, in a normal election if they if they if they succeed certainly not in the uh, electoral college if they can shut off Pennsylvania which I think Biden represents that or somebody who comes up alongside Biden and treats him with respect and offers youth and perhaps more progressive policies I'm not so sure uh, if they can keep Pennsylvania out of uh, uh, the Republicans hands uh, they're gonna have a real hard time winning this election so I think that there was a lot of interesting dynamics which is why I wanted to talk about the Democrat dynamic rather than the same old story that we get now 24 7 by all these networks about the guy in the White House.
3: But I I think Doc spoke to me with what he said which is what do we yearn for really I think there's some themes that are the right themes. Uh, Humanism, being civilized, Um, those probably bring into bear globalism because the essence of being human is to be global not anything else and and the you know and then how do you treat people who are not from America Um, I I, either uh, other nations or immigrants Um, those go to the heart of what good versus evil needs to be about and I think Doc's right that up until now the bearers of a counter-narrative are thin on the ground and not and quite shallow in their narrative and don't capture the imagination. And so wh- what we need is for, for that to happen. Now, if Biden, if you're right, Stephen, Biden is mentoring that group to come up with those themes, great, because they're sadly missing. And when you compare it to the clarity of the other side, the simplicity and clarity of the other side, If it's missing, um, that's a difficult place to be. All right. So
0: you have to jump in a couple of minutes, uh, Keith. So I'm going to use that as a forcing function to sort of wrap this up. Uh, Starting with Michael Markman, can you quickly uh, summarize who you see in the Democratic field and what the potential of their success is or is not? And I want to ask the same thing of Doc.
2: Well, let me go back to something that Doc said uh, a little bit bit ago. I mean, one one of the most terrifying things to me of what's going on right now is that it isn't just Trump. It is the, the base that is cheering him on in everything that he's doing. And my fundamental terror is that that base is going to prevail over the rest of us. So what Biden has done with the greatest clarity in the whole field is to say this is the question this is the question Does do the, do the urges and fears uh, of that Trump base prevail or does America's better nature prevail and he's at least in his opening made it black and white clear and very hard to avoid now everybody else in the field not everybody else, most of the other people in the field are using this occasion to advance specific agendas that they have with regard to various collections of social injustice that they would like to correct and they're putting forth lots of policies. Um, I don't think policies win elections. Um, People make a much more fundamental, emotional gestalt approach in, in terms of Lining up with a candidate, supporting a candidate, and ultimately voting for a candidate. So I think we got a complex field here. The ones that, that show some traction, uh, Bernie is clearly the one furthest ahead in terms of his organization and his finance and, uh, and his brand and his consistency. But he's got a lot of enemies. He, he irritates a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people just find him like chalk on a blackboard. So he's got a big base. Uh, but he's also got uh, maybe a ceiling. I don't know. He may be, he's, he may be stuck where he is. Okay, you got it. Go ahead. Sorry. Buttigieg uh, has run the best out of nowhere campaign that I've seen. Uh, he's attracted a lot of attention. He's doing very well. I think Elizabeth Warren is a dark horse. Uh, yesterday she spoke at a conference called She the People, which was a uh, an address, uh, it was kind of a cattle call of uh, six candidates to uh, an audience of mainly women of color. And she hit it out of the park, had the the most connection, the tightest connection, the largest response. And she showed that she is much more than just a data and policy wonk. She also can tell a story that makes a tight emotional connection with an audience. Uh, She's been trailing, but I think based on that, she may be the dark horse who is coming up. Um, Beto seems to be failing, uh, falling back, and Kamala Harris is really strong uh, and, uh, and and it, it is high up in the pack, and she will be one to contend with. Okay, uh, Doc, uh,
0: and then very quickly, uh, Keith.
1: Okay, uh, I I think um, I think Kamala Harris has a uh, Potentially is the strongest candidate. I think she's not only well-qualified. She presents herself really well. She's got a law and order um, Appeal as well to some degree Um, uh, She's got an ethnic appeal. There's a whole bunch of stuff and she handles herself very well on in in debate and in interview and in the rest of that Um, but um, I But none of them, I, I, I don't see any of them as a standout really yet. I pretty much say amen to everything Michael just said on that. Um, I think that the the single... Uh, there are two issues that matter. One is kind of a, to condense what Keith said earlier. Um, we care about people, you know, that, that do we care about people or we don't care about people. If you really care about people that's that's something to campaign on that's and i think that's actually what the democratic party uh kind of stands for but i think there's another thing that it ought to stand for um that's a gigantic crisis right now which is this whole drain the swamp thing i think we need to recharacterize that swamp as as the government as good government we the democrats like government they really like governing that's they're about that the republicans are not the republicans for a number of of years have been all about fighting against government you know and that's really since reagan's time uh and w- w- since thatcher in the uk and and it's very harmful uh, michael lewis wrote a great book called the fifth risk that's about this um it's about how real real poop appointees that are entirely political are in front of trillion dollar departments inside the u.s um totally mismanaging it there are countless um Positions that are unfilled, good people are being driven out. Um, the government's not a swamp. The, the government is something we actually need, and that needs to be campaigned for somehow. It's not, it's not sexy as that box office, but I think it's one of those things where any candidate can go and say, "Look at how this thing has been damaged. Here are ten stories about how this thing has been damaged. Here's how you know pollution is worse. Here's how um, radioactivity is seeping into the Columbia River because." The Department of Energy is yanked so much money out of um, uh, out of, for example, uh, examining nuclear power plants and things like that. Um, there are just so many things that are going wrong in government right now, simply because the people in it are fully discouraged by the absolutely political appointees that are put on top of it. Um, it's one of the most destructive things that uh, President Voldemort, um, you know, has has done. And right, I'll accept and that,
0: that as a, as a, <laughs> a, as a reference. <laughs> Uh, congratulations uh, Keith uh, I want my answer to my question however uh, you are you muted something's happening you don't know what it
3: is I was muted uh-huh. um, uh, I, I actually think that Bernie Grant uh, isn't capped in the way that um, Bernie who? Uh, Uh, sorry Bernie Sanders Bernie Grant is an African American English politician who is kind of like Sanders Um, I think Bernie Sanders is not capped and the reason I think he isn't uh, I I think he might be within the democratic base but I think he splits the Trump vote because I think a lot of the working class people who vote Trump that's two
0: references you you don't get any more
3: uh, 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 who vote Voldemort um, would, would actually b- uh, go with Bernie. And so I think, I think Bernie has a double whammy effect of reducing the other side whilst um, keeping his own. Uh, and, and, and that ends up being a winning play. And I think that would have been true last time as well, by the way. I, don't, I, I think he, he, there's a very similar constituency. And it's all about who's to blame. Trump, uh, the, the other guy says foreigners are to blame. And Bernie says the 1% are to blame, but they're both describing the same symptoms that need to be fixed. So uh, I'll I'll answer my own question since nobody will,
0: uh, except uh, Michael will actually go there, which is, uh, I think Swalwell is uh, an important part of this because he's the connection back into uh, the congressional fight uh, to take uh, the Republicans to court which I think is going to be an important dynamic of sorting out the democratic field. Uh, Elizabeth Warren was phenomenal in her snap decision, uh, like uh, the way that uh, uh, Joe uh, announced today, where he just said, okay, that's enough. Uh, We already have seen, uh, what well, we need to see, let's just go for impeachment. It's not that she can call it. I mean, it's easy. She's a senator. Not, it's never going to get to the Senate because the Senate won't pass it. But the the fight over that in conjunction with the uh, uh, debate, which is six weeks away, uh, is going to winnow this field dramatically and very quickly. And I agree with Doc about I think Kamala Harris uh, has a a very strong position, but she needs some tempering under fire in order to be able to get her dander up. When she was in the uh, uh, Kavanaugh hearings, she was remarkable in the way that she uh, approached uh, the struggle to get some straight answers, which, of course, they never got. So, you know, there's a dynamic there. I think Swalwell and she will represent the connections into the, uh, into the house and, and the drive toward impeachment, which I think fundamentally they're gonna have to get there whether they like it or not. Uh, and the only way that I think they're gonna survive an impeachment battle is to have someone like, a, uh, and I, I didn't think this until today, someone like uh, Biden at the top of the ticket so uh there's everything else that everybody has said i think is on target and uh you know i i I think the um, similarity between the way people talk about facebook and the way they talk about the uh voldemort administration uh, is uh, something that we should really be concerned about because I don't think that we can do anything about either of those situations, other than come up with somebody uh, that can get you know thirty-seven percent. Okay. Uh, this this would have, the only thing that would have been better about this is if the damn plug-in had worked so that we could have gone live to uh, Twitter, yeah. but we'll be able to play it back live, as though it was going to Twitter. Yeah.
1: Well, you had practice. That's good. Well, I it, it,
0: I really like the feel of the show, uh, and I really appreciate your uh, participation in it. Uh, thanks to uh, Ustream, we normally use Ustream to record and stream the Gilmore Gang, which this feels a lot like. Uh, uh, thanks to New Tech and their TriCaster, they've been. Uh, we're working through some uh, upgrading to a new operating system, and uh, so we're going to get there shortly. Uh, thanks to Michael Markman. You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, the in, indomitable Keith tear who still thinks that there's <laughs> a reason why uh, soccer should be called football, and I, I <laughs> applaud that
1: attitude. Oh yeah, I do too.
3: Yeah, it's a very it's a very simple point. We use our feet, not our hands.
2: Yeah, and, and since when did logic have anything to do with it? <laughs> and uh, I know Jewish people who call American football hand egg.
0: There, there you go. <laughs> the incredible Doc Searles, who uh, uh his uh issue with old people
1: I don't agree with, but you know
0: Elizabeth <laughs> I Warren, know, Elizabeth I believe, Elizabeth. is seventy as well.
1: To, uh, I, I I think we need I think it takes um, at least middle-aged energy to do, you know, to do a good job, frankly. It's like, it, it's for the same reason we don't have pilots that are over 65, you know, or, and it's just... Well, I'm
0: okay with that, but uh, uh, yeah. we normally have uh, older than they should be presidents. So <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think you're uh, tilting your windmills there. Uh, and I I want to thank uh, our producer and director, Tina Chase Gilmore, for... Uh, Her uh, appearance on the first uh, (laughs) notification-based gang.
4: Yeah. Well, when we can notify everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. I was delighted to be part of the show today.
0: We'll do more of it. Uh, Thanks to everybody who showed up, who was allowed to show up, (laughs) which is the six of us, and. Uh, Thanks to everybody who showed up And especially those who didn't We'll see you again next time Bye bye Bye
2: bye